Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Insider Podcast. And Happy New Year to everybody, because we haven't heard from each other since 2021. So Happy New Year, and I wish you all the best for for this year and to be very creative and very entrepreneurial and to start your new projects. And talking about these topics, the first guest of this year is Geronimo van Schendel. Uh, he is a Spanish-Belgian architect. His background is um, at the Politecnico, Politecnica de Madrid. Uh, he has studied at the MIT and at Harvard. And he's tackling down more the business side of architecture. And he is currently a professor at the IE uh, University for Business in Madrid um, and also in Amsterdam. And um, he's a teacher at the Masters um, for Business of Architecture. So this is his background. We talk about many topics about how to get sustainable, uh, how to get the clients in a sustainable way, how to, which problems are in the future of architecture. Uh, if you're starting up, what should be some topics that are valuable to focus on? Uh, how is this master structured? Uh, should you take part of it? How much money it costs? And so on and so on. So listen to the full story and if you're curious you can also watch the podcast now so if you can you'll find the link in the description of of the audio podcast and you can watch it on youtube and don't forget to subscribe to the channel to support the creative insider so yeah that's it welcome back i hope you'll have fun and thank you very much for listening you're amazing enjoy the conversation with Geronimo Fanchendo. The whole world stops just like that. Hello, Geronimo. Welcome to the Creative Insider and thank you for giving us the chance to be talking to you. Uh, thank you for having me, Georgie, for the invitation. It's a real pleasure to have this uh, conversation. Um, as I've told you when I approached you, I uh, found about you through the D2 conferences through Fabio Palvelli. This is where I've heard uh, the first uh, interview I'm I'm hearing with you, and uh, I was uh, really excited about uh, about your profile because you are an architect, but with a little bit of a special um, specialization in direction business of architecture, and this is something that I always stress a lot uh, throughout the podcast. It's really important for creatives, architects, designers to be very also business oriented. Um, so thank you. And uh, you can tell a little bit about your background to the people who don't know you yet. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually uh, architect entrepreneur, I would say. Um, uh, well, I'm, I, I was trained as an architect. I was born in Colombia, basically. 
but I come from a, a Spanish and Belgian uh, family. I was trained as an architect, professional architect in in Spain, in, in the Technical University of uh, Madrid, uh, Politecnica. And then I, after practicing uh, for some years and having a, a little office that used to do uh, turnkey projects, basically, uh, and working as well in different types of, of offices uh, with international reputation in, in, in projects, both public and private, I went, uh, I had the opportunity to go uh, and study into, uh, into the US uh, to Harvard Graduate School of Design. Uh, and there I did a, a master, which is called MR2, which is as a core component of design, but that I also did because I had a, a very ample portfolio or curriculum, sorry, um, that allowed me to specialize myself in, in entrepreneurship, in the business side of, of our industry, and also to look uh, as a sort of independent stu- study to our industry in an ampler way. Uh, because one of the things that first traded me, if you want, uh, or more than frustrated me, motivated me uh, uh, about our industries, how complex it is, how different stake are the stakeholders, you know, ones from the others. And uh, this this need of mapping it and understanding it better in order to do things that are impactful. I had always this this sort of vision that the, the architect is a wonderful profile, extremely creative, technically uh, very capable as well but that has been restrained to a, a side corner, whereas um, it, it could play a much more central role in the different parts of the value chain of our industry. So that that was uh, you know, what I did. And then after that, I had the opportunity to work on the innovation consulting. I worked uh, with IDEO at San Francisco. Then I came to Spain, came back to Spain, which is my, my home country. Um, and and was office uh, manager, which is you know basically I was leading the the team competitions and and uh, also other public works for an international office called Abalos Sienkiewicz AS Plus, uh, doing work in China, uh, Spain, and, and Latin America mainly. And then I started my my startup, uh, which is called Buildia. We do uh, software. Uh, basically automating procurement tasks for builders and developers. Um, And that I combine it with um, an academic role uh, in the Master in Business for Architecture and Design. Uh, Academics and teaching have been other of my my passions and vocations uh, throughout my life. And I think uh, it's also a great way to be in contact with, you know, innovation, um, to learn, better communicate and as well to to do great uh be, being a vibrant community as the ie university so yeah that's me a little bit <laughs> that was a lot um i, I when i while i was listening just to i was like oh my god this is like a such a um various and uh very differentiated background uh just for for just for interest um how old are you and how, how because this is a lot you've done and you don't seem to be very old <laughs> so i was curious uh how old are you yeah well I'm, I'm i like to think i'm not that old yeah i'm 35 years old uh but i started working when i was in third year in architecture so when i was uh uh 20 20 21 something like that so it's already been a few years in practice. I studied and I worked at the same time for the last almost uh, three years of the of the practice of the studies. Sorry, and then since then it's been quite a nonstop. <laughs> so it seems like a lot already. 
and um, I'm curious it's a very like you have a very also high-end academical education because you've been in Politecnica de Madrid which is uh, one of the best schools for architecture in the world it's very well renowned around the world and then you've been to Harvard and that's I mean speaks by itself um, and but it's still a fatidical moment when somebody that's a designer um, moves from the academical world to the professional world and the first step is always very crucial very important uh, and different for everyone um, was your um, first where your first steps in architecture already towards this more business oriented direction what were your first uh, professional experiences yeah, uh, I think that's a great question. Um, I I always say, I think in our field, there has been this, in my opinion, misconception or old style conception of thinking that the people that like business uh, do not uh, like design. And conversely, those who like design do not like business in a way, uh, or that it is uh, quite impossible in a way to be uh, good at business at good at design whereas i think that if you look at the story of uh the greatest architects at least in the last uh, you know in the, in the last century uh without with some exceptions but and, and also the great designers by the way they all uh more or less but all of them have had at least the nose for business uh if not uh they have mastered business in very different ways uh, regardless of whether or not they were uh, surrounded by by business savvy people, in my opinion, also I think uh, design is, if you want, the sort of philosophy of our time uh, as well, or philosophy of the physical world uh, nowadays, also of the digital world, uh, that that turns ideas, reflections, deep reflections into tangible. Uh, tangible realities, uh, whether they are, uh, you know, in the digital world of, you know, experiences or in the physical, you know, brick and mortar, uh, uh, you know, real built environment we live in. And um, as as a result of that, in a way, as a, as a designer, I feel, I felt from the very beginning or well, from when I was in university, and I still believe uh, one of my guidances and, and one of the guidances of uh, people that I could, you know, uh, in a way mentor, if, if that's a word uh, I could use, um, is to have a, a sort of sense of um, of impact and, and reason for what you do and uh, being positive for, for the field in which you act. And I think uh, there are some activities uh, in every field that are more in tune with their time than others, in a way. And there are other activities that are more in tune or more needed in time in certain moments of time than than others, right? Um, and I think business, I, I came to business because I felt that, or I, I, I turned my attention to business because I felt that somehow there was an over uh, overdimensioned response uh, and discourse on some aspects of design although it's never enough speaking about design, especially if you like it. But in our field, there was a, a sort of overdimensional attention to that. And, and so little has been said, done, and, and uh, contributed to from the perspective of business and how business contributes to, to the world of, of architecture, to the built environment, and to making better cities, better you know, better, better life for everyone. Um, so I said, you know, if I want to be a good designer, 
it's not only about having a pencil in my hand or you know a cat uh, computer program and doing the greatest uh, shapes and, and greatest uh, ideas and proposals uh, from the spatial point of view, but it is also about understanding how uh, what is the architect of today uh, needing to develop as a, as a profile and what, you know, what is the architect of the next 10 years and how can I humbly contribute to that? And my answer was, it's not either business or design, it is business for design or business in the favor of design. So let's try to work on this where you know, think people haven't been looking at it that much. So I can be of great help, I think. And, and that doesn't mean I... I don't like design. I love design. I actually uh, have designed uh, since I was in school. And I, 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 at the moment, I'm in a way also designing uh, a digital experience for my, my industry, uh, not designing space uh, for the moment being. But, you know, life is long. Who knows? Um, but I'm very close to all of that. Actually, my academic experience uh, is focused in training architects. So I'm, I'm very, very focused on, on that as well. But yeah, so to sum, sum all of that up, I would say, you know, I think one of the greatest insights, insightful moments I've had and, and I, with the students I have as well, I, I always say that is think about what you want to contribute in and, and how can you be unique in a world of almost 8 billion people? Uh, what will make you different and what is people not seeing that you or at least a few of you uh, can see, you know, and uh, so that's where I, I, I did. I, I entered into business because of, a, a, as well, a sort of vocational will to transform my industry and and uh, the role of the architect and seeing more power in it than it actually is being recognized. And that that was what drove me into into that part. Yeah. Yeah, I think in this answer we have um, could we could see that you have this now different fields of of your of your um, career, which is the academical side, and then your entrepreneurial uh, with your with your company Buildia, and um, we we will break them <coughs> separately, break them down separately. Um, so, what exactly do you teach at the IE? It's called uh, the school, the Master in Business for Architecture. What exactly? Um, do you teach at that school? Well, yeah, thanks for that question. I think it's, a, it's an interesting one. Well, what, what, are we, what I teach is a venture lab, concretely, uh, the, the entrepreneurship lab. Uh, and uh, we have this, uh, in a way, we have um, structured it in two parts. Uh, one part, which uh, we call venture discovery, and another part, which is a proper uh, venture uh, development or venture lab itself. Um, and it's about teaching. Um, it's about teaching to architecture profiles, professional and technical profiles that have been thinking in their previous professional and educational life quite deeply about the problem of design, but not that much about the problem of business. It's about bringing them to the world of uh, entrepreneurship to um, teach them how to. Uh, discover uh, how to analyze their environment first of all with a critical eye not only looking into the design part but but in a societal economical with a societal and economical eye so discovering industry problems uh, understanding or having developing that that sort of intuition um, and tools to to transform uh, a problem identification uh, into an opportunity uh, by reading uh, how that problem is connected with what is happening in the surroundings like okay uh, you know 
right now we we have the problem of food uh, sourcing but at the same time there is uh there is a new technology coming in and then there's you know apps that allow people to connect directly with uh with people they don't know through a community so could you for instance connect a, a farmer with a with an end consumer is that a reality that could happen well that's that's a reading of an opportunity that is within the context that is not necessarily connected to your uh, your your particular situation when you're working to discover a problem, but it's it's about you know reading the context, social, economical, technological, uh, and, and so on, uh, legal, and so on. So bringing that problem first, then uh, reading the the context uh, in order to create an opportunity from that problem. Third, adding. Uh, uh, a sort of uh, specific uh, approach to that problem, which we call problem framing, uh, and then finally developing value propositions, so solutions in a way uh, that generate value for the society and for the, the entrepreneurs as well, um, uh, as a result to, to basically solve those problems, right? So um, those those solutions, what we try to do is uh, bring them as in to to point as innovative as possible, and for that we are precisely in academia in part, uh, but at the same time do a, do them uh, feasible, uh, technically speaking, at least in the short term, and uh, think about how they can become economically viable as well. So businesses or organizations that are sustainable by themselves that produce the wealth uh, not only for their founders and their teams. Uh, uh, but also generate the 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 the, the a self-sustaining system for the company itself in order to generate more value, be able to do better research, develop more, you know, innovation, and 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 do in the end better products and thing in a longer term for the society. So that is what we do, and uh, basically that's the theoretical background. But uh, if you add to that a, a journey of a what we would call a lab, which in design would be called a studio, uh, is basically you know adding. Uh, that theoretical framework to the journey of creating a, a, a would-be startup project uh, for, of course, related to the built environment. So it has to be a company that is a company project or idea that is related in some way to the built environment. So at the end, the students need to have that um, that idea and develop that idea that is directly related and impacting in a positive way the, the built environment. That's it. And um, I'm curious what you what you have said now. It sounds really interesting. Is is the program that you're teaching at? Is this a master that's for bachelor graduate students, or is it like a postgraduate master? So let's say somebody is already a trained architect and can come and join this master, and basically after he has already completed a trainership in in, arch in traditional architecture school, focus extra yeah. on business. That's it. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a master for people that already hold a bachelor or equivalent uh, from all over the world, uh, not specifically architects. Uh, this being said, we do have construction managers, um, civil engineers, uh, even artists that work with the built environment. Also, some business background people that have the the experience in our environment, either because they work in construction companies or real estate developers or things like that. Uh, but the, what I would, but of course, yes, we have a high proportion of architects, like uh, way above fifty percent. And um, uh, but what brings all of them together is, I think, an appreciation of design, of spatial design, an appreciation of how much the spatial experience contributes to uh, to a fulfilling 
life in society uh, and to the future that we create for the humanity. And uh, finally, and, and also very importantly, uh, how mm, a better understanding of design or of business, sorry, contributes to a better development of design, uh, of that spatial design. So that it's people that have that intuition and that come to the program to learn about uh, that and, and to, in a way, prove that intuition and, 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 you know, be equipped with all those tools and knowledge. So one thing that I was thinking while you were explaining me what exactly you're teaching, um, and now that I have also, let's say, five years experience in the business of architecture because I'm in the executive side of architecture and it's um, it's really fun when you come out of school and then you get an overview of how exactly the industry works or the whole building processes and how as you said how complex it is I was wondering to in order to simulate uh, your exercises that you're doing at the, at the um, university in order to teach the people do you have some sort of um, integrated multidisciplinary teaching so to say that of course you said uh, one goal of the studies is to uh, come with these intuitions which are targeting future problems of of the of the industry of industry of construction and uh, then to to follow the intuition to see if it's actually a, a real intuition and then to test also value proposition which in I don't know, I understand it as a project, an architectural project. So do you have, for example, um, like all the classes, for example, your class, it's uh, focused on, I don't know, analyzing the problems or generating the idea. And there is another teacher that it's following a project that's being designed or how exactly it works. Yeah, so basically there are four modules, so four, four, in a way, academic lines, if you want that run in parallel, all the students go through all of them. Uh, one of them is, uh, if you want, the the, the the leadership one, which is uh, understanding who who you are, uh, how do you behave, and how do you interact with your uh, working colleagues, and then how do you uh, make an impact uh, in in a society or in a realm, which is a built environment realm in a way. Uh, that's another one is the technology, uh, the technology and innovation component. Uh, you know, how do you bring all of that into the world of business? And then you have the 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 the, the management uh, line, which is about basically the core management knowledge. You know, uh, operations, strategy, finance, uh, and so on. Uh, and then you have the entrepreneurial track, um, which is uh, you know basically the 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 whole. Um, theory and, uh, and and thinking of entrepreneurship and then finally we have a platform or a lab in this case which I already spoke about it's a venture lab which is the, the one in which everything or th that every single academic line nurtures uh, so the lab nurtures from or feeds from all of these uh, different lines so at any given moment in the program there are the four lines are taking place. So students have courses from uh, those four lanes in parallel and professors are well coordinated and we, we speak to each other. And then, uh, so the, the, for instance, if the students are generating a venture lab project, then the professor that is dealing with technology in, in design uh, takes the venture lab problems that they are trying to solve to sort of analyze as a case study, how they would 
uh, how they would uh, apply that into their particular venture projects. Uh, then the legal law for entrepreneurs professor takes that and, and tries to, um, uh, through the theory of the course, but as well, put in practice that into setting up the right legal uh, structure for the company they're doing based on the precepts that each student group group of students has selected. Um, and then, you know, corporate strategy has the same type of principles and so on and so forth. And um, at the end of this uh, path of this process of, of these projects, do you have also some connection with the uh, real industry? And do you, for example, pitch the generated projects and ideas and values propositions to some, I don't know, architectural firms or developers yeah. or construction companies? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, throughout the program, we have about 30. Well, yeah, definitely. Yes, we have very different type of um, interactions with uh, with the real industry. Uh, one of the keys of IE, uh, and I think one of the definitely one of the things it stands out for is being very, very close to the market and at the forefront of the market in many in many ways. Uh, so we do have a lot of contact with construction companies, with real estate developers uh, and with architects as well um in different types of interaction because these stakeholders are different as they relate with our field right um but definitely we the, the students pitch uh, their projects to juries that come from real estate uh, construction and architecture firms also from investment firms uh venture capital firms that are investing in construction or in the real estate industry in a broader sense. Um, and as well, we have what we call the business of design lecture series, which is a lecture series and visit series in which we go to, uh, or we, we host, or we go to uh, nearly uh, 30 uh, types of companies or 30 companies uh, that are located either in Madrid, in Amsterdam, uh, the Netherlands in general, or London. So, uh, and then we host a number of online company, uh, company lectures that come from all over the world that complement this business of design lecture series and what they do or, or what these events are about are um you know it's ceos uh coos founders um um head of design of uh, huge uh hugely recognized uh companies both small and up and coming on big and you know well established um that they come and they they do speak about design but in an implicit way they don't come to tell the story of one or another project but they come to tell the story of the business how the business was born what were the what were the crucial moments what was the strategy what is the vision how do they you know what's the next thing uh how do they see the field um many many different fields uh, uh topics are touched and it really depends on the office that that is delivering the message and um i was wondering um if if i were some somebody that's listening to the podcast and it's considering to 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 join the program that you just um, illustrated uh i was curious how long is the whole uh, cycle of studies to, to, to complete this master and uh, is this a private university what are the costs to join the program eventually yeah uh, so the the program is a 60 European credits program official program uh, which means that it's internationally recognized and it can depending on the track you're going for but it can 
help you to uh, you know follow further academic paths as well. And uh, it's also you know widely uh, recognized uh, for for you know at the in the professional world. Um, it's its duration. It's uh, a blended format, which means that. The vast majority of it is online. Uh, all of our students work and study at the same time. And uh, and uh, the program uh, has three periods that are face-to-face -face in Madrid, in Amsterdam, and then back in Madrid for graduation. And then with a little visit, uh, well, short visit, but very intense visit as well to, to London. Um, and then, uh, you know, your other question was related to the costs. Uh, we do have... So it's a private university. Yes, it is a, in a way a university that delivers top management programs. It's within the five uh, top places for entrepreneurship in the world. Uh, depending on the rankings, you can see it sometimes third place, fifth place, depending on what you see. But it's been uh, widely recognized for that and for the quality of its business uh, management. So the costs, uh, the, 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 the value of the programs is really high. Uh, in terms of costs, uh, we do have very different ways to uh, help our students to enter. But I would say uh, for the value that is delivered, uh, I personally, I'm, I'm humbly, of course, I, I'm not, uh, you know, my title doesn't make it 100% objective. But I do believe, having been in other universities as well, that the relationship between the value you receive and the cost is extremely optimal. Uh, we are speaking about a program that is around, uh, the, you know, uh, in the high 20,000s, so nearly 30,000. But of course, um, we do have many, many actions that uh, try to attract the best talent globally and that help the students uh, to, to basically uh, access this uh, and, and access, you know, tuition uh, fees uh, or scholarships and tuition fees reduction. Uh, we do have competitions for students that want to enter uh, and so on and so forth. So what we encourage students to do is to apply uh, during the application program. Of course, yes, I mean, uh, the, the, the scholarships can, can only go so far, right? But, but we do help the students that deserve it, definitely. And, uh, and there are different ways. So what, I, what IE does as well, one of the things it does better than many many universities is being close to the students so it's a place where if you have a doubt even if you're not a student they will solve it right away uh they'll be with you they'll assist you in a very genuine way uh to lead you to the program that truly responds to your need whether or not it is a program that you know you entered or asked for or or we, whether it's the, a program in the university or not they're very very honest in that way of, of, of uh, selling that. And, um, and so that makes it phenomenal for students or potential students to just reach out and contact the admissions team, start their applications if needed, uh, assist to the events that are informative about everything that's done in the university. And then as part of the application process, get informed about the initiatives we have to help our, our students uh, find the, the way to, to come to IE and, and have this transformational experience. So that's it. Yes, uh, totally. I, I wasn't like um, uh, the amount of money for me wouldn't have been like a material of judgment. It was just because um, <laughs> the, the whole point is, you know, when I when I interview each of my guests, um, I try to deconstruct uh, what they do and to give the audience the, the the information so that they are 
they have a complete overview uh, because you know most of the new newspaper and magazines that are uh, field related they just will explain you a little bit of the top of the iceberg but not the whole um, the whole situation so I want to also um, under un undergo the feasibility of I don't know eventually joining your 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 master um, of business um, absolutely and yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, no problem at all. That's uh, actually it's a pleasure to be able to to share that. So no worries. And um, now I'm gonna go with a little bit of questions that are very interesting for me because um, I mean I'm somebody that has started a podcast and um, and I clearly have some entrepreneurial um, mindset or character, so to say. And um, I thought I'll first uh, explore this field by just talking to people that are uh that have different experiences because i mean in the end of the day we can live only one life and we'll have only one experience so by talking with people that that have had different experiences i will learn their own path um and one thing that i have learned by my personal professional experience is that uh once you have as you said an intuition about what could be a problem uh, in a certain industry in a certain field um, now I might think um, I don't know. We have we have we're living in this era of transition, which is transition to. We have the ecological transition, the digital transition. Now we have the metaverse. It's coming, which is not defined yet. What's going to be? Uh, we have the <coughs> transition in which uh, more and more technology is part of our traditional objects or life. Like for example, the cars. Are turning more into a robot and i can think that also the homes will turn more into they are already turning more into smart homes smart um uh like hybrid so to say technology and what is traditional building uh technology um where do you where do you gather the information and the data to uh, for example when one of the students or at the at the program when I when somebody comes with a with an idea with a intuition, uh, for example, what are your sources for the data to confirm if the direction of this intuition is wrong or correct? Okay, uh, good question. Um, the interesting question as well. Um, there, are, I, I'm trying to you know think about a, a, a in a way a short way and concise way to answer. Um, I don't think actually, well, of course, there are cases where the ideas are, are, are sort of crazy, you know, in a way. And, and by crazy, to be more precise or academic, what I would say is we always try to have the framework of the innovation triad. Uh, you know, are things really desirable from an anthropological point of view? Is it, are they solving an actual problem that you have observed in the world and that uh, can be also observed by someone else, uh, actually by a large um, segment of society at least, or a large segment of an industry. Second, are they technically feasible um, in the, you know, in the probably if not tomorrow, uh, in the next year or two years? Um, so the metaverse, for instance, is something that would be quite in the edge of that sort of feasibility. You know, we're, we have been told that story and it's a wonderful story, but we still need to see it done in a way. You 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 also mentioned that. Uh, so so to give you a sort of framework of the type of of approach we seek, and then finally the the business viability, right? So the, within that, um, I think 
a university is uh, not only a place to train people on tools, frameworks, uh, knowledge that we already know, uh, but it's fundamentally as well a place to generate knowledge. Uh, and uh, knowledge generation implies um, taking risks as much as value generation in the world of entrepreneurship as well entails taking risks in business. One is an intellectual risk. The other one is as well an intellectual risk, but also probably as well an economical risk. Um, and when you take that risk, uh, it means that it is a risk because people do not really have the, the right or wrong answer, right? Uh, it's because you're doing something somewhat new. Um, so you can definitely observe and experience helps you to observe the reality uh, and, and to find inputs or more than inputs signals of whether or not the path that a student or a group of students is taking makes sense um, or not. But but you cannot go much more farther than that at the beginning. Uh, and I mean, at the beginning, I mean, when you are analyzing the seed, the the, the idea in itself. Uh, I am as well, as, as we discussed, an entrepreneur and I have the um, honor and, and I would say uh, responsibility as well and luck of being backed by by other great entrepreneurs and, and great investment funds and mentors and so on. And uh, you'll find that good investors, good mentors, they never tell you, you know, do this, do that. They tell you this is something that you should be aware of and this is also something you should be aware of. Uh, we think this could be positive for you because of this and that, but but you are the owner of your company in a way. Um, and and I think academically speaking, it has to be that way as well. So it's not like your idea does not work or your idea works. It's about, okay, you're trying to work, for instance, into, you know, I don't know, circularity in construction or reducing embodied energy in construction. Uh, there are a hundred ways to do that. Uh, so be aware of what the, what is a problem that you have defined. How do you want to frame that problem? So how do you want to attack that problem that in a way that is feasible, viable, desirable, and that very importantly as a human being and uh, as an entrepreneur resonates with you, resonates with your story, with your resources, with your environment as well. I mean, it's not the same to do a company in Israel than doing it in, I don't know, Egypt or Australia. Uh, it's radically different. Um, and it's not the same to do a company that has a national vision, uh, a continental vision or, or global vision and, and so on and so forth. So depending on that, I would say we do not have a data or a place where we say, let me bring you know the crystal ball on unwrap the crystal ball and, and see if that works or not if i was if i had that i would probably be an investor i would be probably the wealthiest investor on earth right so um uh it's more it's more you know experience and logic logic uh and i would say one of the core of of entrepreneurs is being very close to the problem and and looking at the execution of that problem and and helping the students to think realistically about the execution of, of that solution, sorry, to that problem. And that is what makes a business interesting or not. And then there are many, many things that academia cannot, cannot touch in a way, which is, for instance, the market readiness, the market uh, momentum, uh, adoption, and so on. And those are things where you can actually look for, for signals, ex exterior signals from by doing research into entrepreneurial um, 
publications, into uh, business database uh, databases, into uh, many different places that, the, depending on the, the the field that they are attacking you, you bring or not. But one of the great things of IE as well is, and and of academia in general, I would say it's 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 a community, right? It's a community of expertise, and as well as in a startup, uh, one of the things you see when you see great startups or even great not even startups great design offices is they are a community of expertise the ceo or the architect in chief or founder of the of the office or the studio is not a, a you know a, a, a extremely knowledgeable person in every single aspect of of its industry but they are uh, very good at crafting an ecosystem that is diverse and that complements, in which people complement each other and finds the answers or find the answers all together. And I think that is one of the keys as well. And with this, I wrap my answer uh, of the change between the ar- the previous architect, the architect of, of, of the previous decades that was more in a way um, enlightened by by inspiration and by uh, the artistic component of practice, as opposed to the architect of the architect in which I believe quite strongly of the coming decade and probably after as well, which is a, a, an orchestrator of knowledge and of processes and uh, a person that is able to generate a vision and to generate the the right environment for co-creation with people that know much more than him or herself in many topics, uh, but complement them, complement each other in a, in a perfect, you know, synchrony towards the vision that 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 they are creating. And that I think be is is in radical tension with the old idea of authorship. I think that old idea of authorship, in a way, is becoming progressively obsolete. And uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it there, right? But but yeah, that's that's a sort of long answer, <laughs> I guess. No, I couldn't agree more. And this is something that has frustrated me personally too, because I, I have a background in education in Rome at the University Sapienza. And then I moved yeah. here to Germany where I studied at the Frankfurt University of Applied Sciences. And you can imagine mm-hmm. that one is a university, so very academic or very traditional in a city like Rome. And then I came for to a university, which is um, it, here in Germany, it's even called school because you do more practical yeah. things. And uh, for me, the two worlds were like, okay, one is completely, um, completely abstracted from the reality and the other one is completely... Uh, emerge into the real world so every question you'll get by presenting any of your project would be yeah but have you thought about this and that and how they're going to do it actually and um, I, I've completed my master thesis in Rome and when I presented it one of the critiques was that my thesis was too real was too based on something that could have been actually built and it's not um, creative enough so to say um, so I, I couldn't agree more with you that exactly this um, transitions that we are currently living are pushing more and more the architects to become this new figure which you're mentioning. Um, uh, what yeah. I what I was curious also is because you said yourself you're an entrepreneur and your business is not um, the classical architectural firm that solves a design problem but you serve firms through a technological uh, product that serves part of the process um, in in your in your school in your master uh, do the students develop only solutions for 
um, design problems, so to say, or they also develop solutions for process problems? Yeah, thank you uh, for the question as well. I think, um, no, I mean, uh, the, the only red flag we put is work on something on a problem that is related to the built environment. That is the only the only limit we put to these to the students, which means that they can think about the new construction company model. They can think about a new startup that is about technology applied to construction or to architecture or to urban design, data extraction from city processes, uh, even like gaming gaming related to the spatial experience for kids. Everything uh, related to spatial experience and the built environment uh, is the core for us and we believe that it has to be like that because the architect needs to also in a way expand its its way of thinking beyond the sort of brick and mortar uh, brick and mortar um so that is what we we do i i do find that actually with experience the more and more i see you know projects and and so on i i you know within this openness and this encouragement we 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 give to all we, or we you know this encouragement we instill in in the different groups uh i do find that it is very needed at this moment to think about problems that are resi residing at the core of the design office which has been thought uh in a very similar way for the last decades as well the last few decades um and there are so many opportunities to change things there by adding a more entrepreneurial and, and scalability um, mindset in a way, uh, and also a more client-oriented uh, mindset without uh, mm, forgetting the component and the importance of, of design in itself and the value of design in itself uh, as, the, as the essence of, of, of a design practice, right? So, um, in other words, to be more precise, um, one could say, you know, I'm going to do an architecture office that is going to be doing, I don't know, commercial work and so on and so forth. But one can, one can start uh, thinking about an architectural office or a design office from a radically different point of view um, and, and end up doing a massively interesting uh, company. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I, I could give a few examples now that have been interesting projects, but uh, what about uh, orchestrating a, locally, a, a local environment of stakeholders and collaborators that provide different components of the, of the value chain of, of uh, design and construction, connecting design and construction within the architectural firm, uh, that would be one. Or what about thinking only doing a company that, that is uh, focused only on the omni-channel experience? So how do you bring together the digital experience and the spatial experience uh, of the real world into one seamless uh, experience, uh, sorry for the redundancy, uh, and how do you think about that as a service that is fundamentally architectural? Um, uh, that that generates a radically different company than just uh, the architecture office. And that goes from thinking th at that high level, but also going into how are, gonna, are, are these processes going to be? What are going to be the people in the team? Um, what is the market you're going to be attacking? Uh, how are you going to explain what you do? Uh, is there a category that that is that that can be you know are you an urban designer are you a digital designer are you an architectural design uh, practice do we need to find 
new categories, if, if that's something uh, reasonable or not. Those are debates that are out there and, and that, uh, you know, I think are worth uh, questioning in university. Uh, very risky in the business world, but in university, they're, they're, they're important to be posed, right? So, yeah. One thing that I was thinking and that um, I also, you know, I've been, I always read, try to read about these topics online and and one of the um, traditional way for starting, for instance, for example, an architectural office um, that then sometimes some of the offices that we know, they develop into more different things. But the beginning, uh, which I've uh, went back to is often um to participate to architecture competitions and uh and then win one uh, eventually that will give you the boost to to the in a sense of economical uh, and fluidity boost to start uh, to start a company and then from there you can build your um, authority with this first project and gather clients and then if you're a good entrepreneur, then you can develop and scale up as with companies uh, that we all, I don't know, we, we, we know a lot of these uh, world renowned studios. Um, and on the other side, I've read a lot about um, the startup ideas, the, um, the MVPs, the, you know, the startup um, way of doing things. And after I've read that, to me, it sounds uh, like really high risk and low chance of win to always participate into these competitions that are the traditional way and developing these very complicated projects and eventually then just lose time and, and investing time and money on this um, on this approach. Um, what is in your opinion, for example, through also the business studies and the business approach you have, uh, what could be a different way of of starting some design business should be of course one thing you said is to find your unique selling proposition which would be how do you differentiate yourself from from the rest but what could be um a prototype an mvp that you can bring to the people that actually have the money to make the projects happen yeah uh this is an extremely interesting question and i think there are so many uh, misconceptions about this um, uh, and it's also a topic that uh, generates a lot of polemic um, because I think that people think about these things with too much passion uh, in a way. We are designers, designers that like to design are by definition passionate in a way. And that's good, but it has its downside as well. And I think this is one of the, the downsides. Um, I must, before I answer, I must say that I have, uh, I myself have loved competitions. It's probably uh, one of the aspects of, of architectural profession that I have enjoyed the most. I enjoy the, the intellectual risk. I enjoy the, the stress. I enjoy the, the creative process, the crisis that happen when you're doing big competitions, uh, the, 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 how open you can be in, in one of these designs and so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that I cannot look critically into the model. And I think that if you scratch a little bit the surface and you look into literature about this, you will find the most versed architects and prolific architects in competitions speaking in a very analytical and critical way about themselves uh, namely for instance i don't know rem kuhas about the helsinki and uh, the, and about other uh architectural competition processes um 
And I think that is important. We tend to think, oh, we look into the surface and you see these architects that wins competitions and you think they only do architecture through competitions. But the reality is that uh, that's not at all the case. The, re- the success ratio of uh, architectural competitions in practices that are, are already successful by themselves and that do have a track record of development of competitions are uh, is... Uh, is is very low it's below 20 percent uh if you are lucky you know you have a 15 percent in many practices it's even lower let alone if you're not one of these practices with a lot of experience right um and i tell you that we must be aware of that even having a comp i mean i've been in a company that has and I have won many international competitions working for other and leading teams in 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 uh, Avalos and Kiewicz, for example, but also, uh, you know, independently before doing that as a, as a student and so on. Uh, but again, I think one of the key cultural aspects of our profession that I would love to, 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 to transform or to contribute to transform is that lack of criticism to models that are established in a way. Competitions are great for some things, but they're not wonderful. And why I start under, uh, they're, they're not wonderful for other things. And why do I start uh, speaking about competitions? Because it is, it is, um, it has to do uh, a lot with these pre-established ideas of business models in, in the architectural companies. If you want to sell, if you want to, 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 uh, to create a, a portfolio, a little portfolio, if you want to, uh, gather the first funds if you want to have uh, a reasonable cash flow in your company uh, and if you want to have uh, the um, environment in which your design uh, your effort in design has a high stake of in the end become uh, something real the private world is on is also something really interesting to look at uh, you only have to look at the greatest architects in the world look at all of their offices look at their portfolios split that in between public and private and you'll tell me which ones are uh, in a way you know private and public uh and I, I i haven't done that exercise you know item by item or project by project but i'm pretty sure uh with the knowledge i have that the the, the percentage of of private work is huge um and uh private clients have things that that public clients do not have such as recurrency for instance um and among other among many other things so um, is there a way to set up the right practice? Well, I I would say there isn't. Again, as much as with architectural entrepreneurial ideas, there isn't the the one size fits all uh, solution. But I think beyond that, what is very important is awareness. Is awareness. Uh, you mentioned that in this interview uh, a few minutes ago. Like we only have one life, right? And I think shots in architecture are, are and, and construction are long shots in general because of the processes, how long they take and so on. So one needs to think uh, critically about and openly about the field, uh, try to get rid of the expectations that your environment has about whether you should be a competitions architect or not, you should be a private architect or not, you should be a boutique architect or not. Try to think again about problems your industry has. There are so many problems that have been overlooked uh, because of these misconceptions or preconceptions uh, that actually make right now quite an exciting uh, industry to be in because there there are many, many things to change. And architects in general, I think that the traditional boutique architectural office uh, hasn't thought that 
profoundly about how we interact with clients, honestly, from the service design perspective. Uh, there is a huge opportunity in there. There is a huge opportunity in being aware of what is a market in which you are, how can you be different? And, and within those two, uh, do you want to work on the private world or the public world? And uh, within those two, do you want to be an actor that responds, responds to brief requests or to competition calls? Or do you want to take action as an entrepreneur uh, more even like a, a one step ahead and, and take you the action and be the orchestrator of a process such as developing um, or pitching to investors about this architectural project that you have or this transformational uh, design experience you have or going and selling to a corporate a uh, huge corporate that does, I don't know, retail and that is investing a ton of money in new spaces and in new technology to do e-stores and pitch them about how their uh, their experience could be much more seamless between their stores and their, and their website, for instance. Those are things that we never think as architects or we're not trained uh, traditionally or we were not trained at least in the, in, in the previous years uh, in in architecture schools, uh, doing a you know in a way a, a quite a general generalization, uh, quite a superficial generalization. But but I think there's a lot of room there to think about. And I think if I had to say something, only once one thing would be you know awareness. Start. This is the time in a way everybody speaks about self awareness. So uh, use that self awareness apply applied to your uh, your business. Right. Think twice before you start doing things because maybe the most unexpected, the most uh, misvalued um, uh, market location and problem approach might be the most successful in the next few years. Who knows, you know, uh, but get rid. And I think that's that has made so much uh, damage to our field. Get rid of those uh, black and white conceptions of, you know, the corporate versus the boutique the uh you know the author versus the 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 the, the industrial or non-author uh, architecture and so on and so forth um the competition versus the private and so on and so forth there are so many um that 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 would be my answer again long but uh i guess uh, it, this is an interesting topic to debate yes totally and i think your your inputs are are really interesting uh, one thing that it's always very helpful to um, explain uh, or confirm a thesis, it's a demonstration. So I was wondering, could you mention or are there, is there uh, maybe a part of the website of, of the school uh, of uh, past uh, students or past ideas that have been developed and currently they are turned into projects or companies that are somehow uh have gotten to life and have been successful because also one thing is case studies. So do, can you mention about some case studies of, of um, ideas that have been developed through the master and that have turned into reality? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Georgie, just b before I get into that quickly and uh, for, uh, forgive me for, for just coming back to the previous question, because I think this is important as well for this new answer. Uh, Another thing is the definition of what an architect is. Um, I think as a, uh, using the metaphor of a tree, right, in a way, which is a little bit cheesy, but I still think it's valid. The higher the tree goes, the deeper the roots go in a way, right? 
But in order to go high, you need to be aware of, yeah, what is the essence of the architect, but as well, how can you blur those lines beyond that essence and, and, and expand that definition of the architect into uh, different environments or different areas that are related with spatial experience, but are not the brick and mortar construction per se within the conception of that as as the roots of of the architect right uh and if you look at that for instance a, a company like cord uh, c-o-r-r-d this is just something that comes to mind but uh it's a company about curb management in cities and uh it uses technology but it's basically defining and optimizing the use of public space uh and the, and the management of public space for for cities so you know, could this have been developed by an architect and not by a, uh, not only by, um, you know, a software developer? Well, I think it should. And I think the more and more examples we see developed by architects, urban designers, uh, urban planners, uh, landscape designers, interior designers that go into this line, the better for us, because that's also the world we're moving in without forgetting that we are the representatives, if you want, or the ambassadors of the the, the built environment, the, the physical built environment as well. Um, and to answer your question, uh, well, I would encourage them to follow. I think we are a very active, uh, the, the school is a very active uh, entity in terms of uh, actuality uh, or the what, things that happen, you know, on a running basis. So I would encourage people to follow the social networks of uh, IE Arc Design, both on, on Instagram and, and LinkedIn, there's a lot going on there about the new achievements of students, uh, new events where students show their projects and so on. Um, there are also uh, repositories in the websites of the different programs and, uh, and newsletters that they can get to to see the different um, the different uh, uh, projects. Uh, to mention one that we have uh, recently, uh, we have a student that did a project that was called Nomad. Uh, and uh, that that project was is now uh, is now being uh, being lived, and then now we have another project that is called ArcKids, which is uh, under development. Um, I cannot share a lot about ArcKids because, as mentioned, it's under development, so I don't want to like uh, you know open too much things with the without the permission of of the students, which took it into a real company now, and it's in their early stages, but. Um, the 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 nomad project is uh, is a company that is exploring the um, the unused um the unused spaces in in different cities in in the the middle east uh, to to generate pop-up experiences that are not the traditional retail pop-up but other types of pop-ups of of, of medium term and and higher value uh, if you want so like for instance what if we do a pop-up store for six months in which instead of a store for clothes, there is a kitchen and in that kitchen, different type of uh, gastronomy businesses and creatives can come and test their concepts for a few days without having the whole, um, the whole, you know, upfront uh, cost of, of doing a kitchen, doing a community and so on. So the, the, the pop-up space generates that community, generates the space itself, and contributes to the creation of that of such business with a, a value proposition that is both uh, coming from three ends: the, the the business itself, the technology, and the, com the, the 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 community, the space design, and the in this case the industry specific gastronomical end. The art kit is about doing toys 
or games that are between the scale of a building and the scale of a of a of a toy itself in which you cannot enter so it's a toy that can uh, that kids can manipulate but in which they can generate a spatial experience that develops uh, many types of senses and uh, many types of um uh of 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 human skills uh, early skills of of these children and it, these are toys that are not necessarily um um concrete in the way they're used they're, they're very abstract the pieces should be able to to combine uh in a very abstract ways generating spaces that do not necessarily have an identity but but do you know different uh just get different shapes um as much as the foible gives uh you know uh, that were, were this set of, of games that were extremely open-ended and and that has value, uh, in a high educational value in itself. Those are two examples, uh, but there are many more. Um, uh, yeah, those. So. We, we have had on the podcast um, the chief design officer of PepsiCo, Mauro Porcini, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. he has written a book that's now only in Italian, but soon will be in English too. It's about um, the age of excellence and the innovation and how they do innovation and, at PepsiCo. And uh, throughout our interview, he also, uh, always um, mentioned how also like uh, generating innovation, it's combining often uh, two different fields that maybe are in contrast or not exactly um, usually together, you know, mixing the ingredients in a different way, which is basically also what you have mentioned. Uh, and you have also a company that's, uh, we haven't had the time to go deep into your company. Maybe that will be for another podcast where we will talk about that separately. Um, Wonderful. But, um, but it's um, combining, for example, in your case, also uh, informational technology with a specific problem in the architectural process, which generates um, a new product that's what... Um, what you offer how do you how do you do you have some way of uh, contacting also external experts in in the school or in the or for yourself for your job because of course if you are developing uh, for instance uh, something that's technology integrating IT uh, the architects and the designers usually don't have the expertise the level of expertise that you need to integrate this two things so how how do you find the rest of the experts that you don't have yeah well i think the role of a ceo and the role of a a, a lead architect in a, as well in a, in a design office is to uh generate that ecosystem of knowledge uh a company is the sum of its people and um i think that that is fundamental um so from that perspective, the first thing to do is to be aware of what are your, again, let's back, let's go back to awareness at the beginning of a business, right? So be aware of what are your strengths, what you can do and what you cannot do and why you need other people and how you can complement those other people, not only technically speaking, but also personally speaking. So if you are good at perseverance uh, and vision uh, and design, maybe you need someone that is also good at i don't know timekeeping and um and motivation and uh technology so those are both complementing at the personal and at the technical level um and i think the more you you add facets to that group the better in terms of how to look into them um i think it's 
it's much easier when you are uh, when your brain has done that previous awareness exercise. Uh, there's a joke, you know, or more than a joke. There's a reality. We sometimes, you know, I'm sure you in Italy as well uh, have that. You know, when you when you buy a car, like any type of car, then suddenly you you go into the street with that car, and then you start seeing everybody with the same car, right? Like, uh, you know, before I had that car, I, I didn't even notice people had that car, or before even I knew about the, you know my desire to build to buy that car, I didn't see people with that car. But suddenly, when I have it, then I see everybody uh, with it. And then the same happens with a kid. I I have been recently as well a, a father, and then. You know, the moment you are a father, then you start seeing people with with you know, you know, all sorts of kid things, and uh, you know, noticing where parks for kids are and so on. Uh, this is the same with the contacts of people, right? Uh, be aware of what you need, be aware of what you can bring, and then the opportunity won't pass in front of you without you noticing. It will be automatic. So that's why I think awareness is, is a fundamental uh, exercise to do. Uh, and I think it's it's a, it's something I enjoy particularly well. Um, I'm not sure if I'm good or bad, but I do enjoy. And I think enjoyment is one of the components to, to become uh, one day good at it, uh, which is networking. Um, and, you know, in networking, it, people tend to think it's about establishing the contact. Uh, but I... I definitely, it's not about that for me. It's about um, what is a genuine thing that connects us, right? You know, you and me, I mean, we didn't know each other. Now we're having an hour and 20 minutes conversation, which has been great and probably will stay in touch um, because you understood that there was a value in the the, the podcast I I had the the, the honor to, to do with Fabio at D2 and then you establish a connection and then I see that th- there is value there and then we engage and we start a conversation in an open way I have no preconceptions about you you have no preconceptions about me and so on and so forth and then if I know someone that is interesting I will probably recommend it to you right but because I know I can provide that value and uh, it's about having that antenna open right uh, in a genuine way and I think uh, we are now in an accelerator called Lanzadera, which is very renowned here in Spain. And they have a only, in a way, one key role in the culture of this accelerator. There are more than 400 companies there. It's uh, translated uh, in 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 Spanish from Spanish to English is give, ask, demand. Right. So before before anything, you give, uh, then you ask. And then if not, maybe one day uh, under very specific circumstances, you'll have to demand uh, when you have given a lot. Right. So before anything, uh, be able to to give in order to be able to give, be aware of what you need, what you can deliver. And uh, and that's that's what makes the best uh, capacities to to network. And um, I'm sure like if you do the exercise in LinkedIn, try to email someone that uh, you know you want to be close to you admire but you have nothing to in a way offer it's going to be fine you might be their follower but if you want to really establish a genuine conversation with them what can you offer uh what can you put from your side in a generous way genuinely generous way and then you'll find that people are looking forward for that because not everybody is doing that actually so that's that's i think the key that's a good point. I have experienced it myself so far because <laughs> I've managed to talk to 80 something people so far. So, yeah. very <laughs> so important people actually. I mean, so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You have a great portfolio in your podcast, by the way. Congratulations for that. It's great. 
Um, I, I, as I said, I could talk to you for another four hours probably, but uh, unfortunately, well, we all have a life that we have to to to, <laughs> go, to deal with. Uh, in your case, I want to conclude the interview with uh, with two questions because usually the final final question is what inspires you. But before that, I want to ask you if you could suggest out of like um, spontaneous way. Uh, some books or some online media or some uh, some form of media books sites blogs uh, podcasts uh, whatever that's related or could be useful for uh, designers which want to be more aware of business of the business side of the of the things could be architecture design whatever it can be yeah you go you go Okay. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, this time I'm gonna go for uh, I'm gonna go for a book um, that is called Triumph of the City from Edward Gleiser, and uh, it's a very interesting uh, book because uh, well, I'm I'm actually almost done with it, but not, I'm reading it at the moment. But it's been a really amazing uh, piece of of, of of uh, you know experience reading it because uh, first of all it puts the city uh, the name itself just speaks speaks for itself but puts the city at the at the center of the debate of you know uh, the the value of it as a as a generator of knowledge innovation value for society and progress as opposed to the country's not as opposed but as, a, as an alternative in a way to the countryside uh or the the lack of uh, a civilized civilized countryside and it's written by someone that doesn't really come from the world of of uh, urbanism urban design design itself it comes from uh business and economics uh but it's understood in a very spatial way um and it's phenomenally written extremely interesting uh content uh data facts and and, and, and a style of writing so uh, i would leave it there i think this is a, a book I, I really would love to to recommend and um why why i'm not well i mean i could recommend other books uh you know uh financial management for creative practices and things like that that are more like the handbooks for 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 uh, uh, you know, for covering certain gaps uh, in the in in practice, but those are easier to find when you look on Google, when you look on RIBA uh, catalog of, of books and so on. Uh, but this is a one of these, in my opinion, one of these gems that that are uh, undefined or uncategorized and are absolutely brilliant and. It's very important because it puts the value of economics and, and business in contact with the built environment in such an intimate and natural way um, that it's like provides a high level, you know, rotund uh, statement for the value of the built environment uh, beyond any type of uh, manual about you know how to do things one way or another. It's it's this is not a management guide. It's just a, a money. It's just an essay about. You know the, the the importance of the city uh, for for civilization um, from an economic mind in a way. So uh, I'll leave it there. That sounds like a a great a great way to to conclude our conversations. Um, I tell everybody that uh, this is uh, the first time you're on the show, but doesn't have to be the last time. Uh, because uh, as we have noticed, uh, there are so many topics that can be covered and uh, and everybody that comes to the podcast uh, will be always welcome back. 
and i'll be putting all the links in the description and it, this will be uh probably a youtube video and also in the, in the show notes in the audio format so that people can uh, check you and the school and your business and i want to thank you one more time for participating and thank you very much Thank you so much, Georgie. Congratulations for your uh, podcast as well, uh, which is very needed <laughs> for our field. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to see it uh, published and, and it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed it a lot. So thanks uh, to you and thanks for those that might listen to, to, to us in the coming days or months. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. You as well. Bye-bye. Hey you, thank you very much for listening to this episode. You've been amazing. Um, I want to remind you that if you want to contact us and tell us how are you and uh, how did you like the podcast and what could we do better, you can contact us on our social media, which are Instagram at TCI Podcast and the LinkedIn page, The Creative Insider. You can also join our newsletter on our website thecreativeinsider.com or feel free to contact us at hello at thecreativeinsider.com thank you very much and i wish you a good week once again bye bye